Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mniebauer. That's logos.com slash mniebauer. Why doesn't the creed say anything about the Bible? Why does it not mention love or mercy or justice? What is the relationship between the church, the Bible, and the Apostles' Creed? Welcome to This We Believe, the podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. Today we are going to answer listener questions that were submitted in response to the completion of Season 1 and our examination of the Apostles' Creed. We can summarize these submissions in one question. What was left out of the Apostles' Creed, and why was it left out? The first of these questions centers around the Bible, or as we call it, Holy Scripture. Why does the Creed never mention Scripture, and why does it not talk about the proper way to read the Bible? There are a number of reasons that it doesn't. First of all, the Apostles' Creed emerged within a largely illiterate society. The creed was meant to be recited by every Christian before they were baptized, and since most of those being baptized were not literate, there was no need to give guidance on how to read. But what about those who could read? Here, the Apostles' Creed does not speak about how to read the Bible because the creed is supposed to be the guide for how to read the Bible. The Apostles' Creed was part of what was called the rule of faith. It was meant to be both a summary of the core message of the Bible and also a guide for how to read the Bible. Think about what we do when we read a book. We don't simply grab a random stack of papers and start reading them. Instead, we look at the cover of the book, which tells us the title of the book, the genre, whether it's a novel or poetry or nonfiction, and we read a synopsis of the book on the back of the cover. All of this information both summarizes the core contents of the book and serves as a guide to help orient us as we read that book. The Apostles' Creed is very much like the cover of the Bible. It summarizes the core message and helps to orient and guide the reader of the Bible. This guide functions in both a negative and a positive way. Negatively, it tells us what kinds of readings of the Bible are wrong. Now, there is a strain of contemporary thought that rejects any notion of right or wrong meaning in books. This philosophy says that all interpretations of a text are equally valid, and what matters the most is my personal interpretation of a text. But of course, this is nonsense. If I read a biography of George Washington and come away from that reading believing that George Washington was a Martian and that America was a mythical planet, I would be misreading that biography. And if others believed my interpretation, they would be just as crazy as me. Similarly, if I read the Bible 
and come away from it thinking that Jesus was just a nice guy or a good teacher, or that the church was superfluous to the Christian life, or that creation existed prior to God, then I would be misreading the Bible. And the Apostles' Creed would hopefully help me understand what I got wrong. But there is a positive way in which the Creed guides my reading of the Bible. It tells me not only what readings are out of bounds, but also what readings are in bounds. G.K. Chesterton once said that doctrines like the Creed are kind of like walls, but they're not the walls of a prison, but the walls of a playground. These walls are not meant to keep us cooped up in some drab prison, but instead demarcate the fun and joyful arena of a play yard. By giving us some guide rails for how to read scripture, the Apostles' Creed, in a sense, frees us up to read the Bible in a personal and joyful way. The Bible can continue to speak to us personally today, despite it being written 2,000 years ago. And we can have a degree of confidence that God is truly speaking to us personally in the text if we know that our interpretation is in line with the billions of other Christians who have read the Bible before us. This is why participating in a Bible study can be so fun and rewarding. If there were no commonly held beliefs about the message of the Bible, a Bible study would be a chaotic free-for-all, with each person simply disclosing their own strange readings. But since there is a common agreement, one can engage in a common and shared discussion, where each person can contribute to a deeper and fuller meaning of the Bible. I can read scripture with someone who is brand new to Christianity, and they can unearth an insight in the text that is new to me, yet is still within the boundaries of the Apostles' Creed and the historic teaching of the church. Another set of items that are left out of the Apostles' Creed are more explicit explanations and definitions of key Christian terms, such as love, justice, and mercy. Why doesn't the Apostles' Creed state that we believe in love or that we believe in justice? One of the reasons for this absence is that the Apostles' Creed is showing us how God has revealed himself personally to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is telling us about who God is and what he has done. We need to know this first before we can know anything about love or justice. We don't love in the abstract. The the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, is a silly and foolish song, even if it is very catchy. Because we don't love things in the abstract. We don't love love. Love requires an object a person, or a thing. For Christians, God is the source of love. God is the one that we love. And it is through God that we discover what it means to truly love. So we have to first learn about who God is, God's identity, and how God loves us before we can come up with a definition of love that is accurate. 
proper love of God is meant to order all other loves in our life. And we learn about this in the Creed, since the Creed talks about Jesus' death and resurrection, which is the greatest act of love in human history. Out of love, Jesus gave up his life to free us from sin. Love for us is thus modeled after this sacrificial love. But there is another reason why the Apostles' Creed doesn't go into further detail on these matters, and that is because it is meant to be recited within the context of the church and the Christian life. One doesn't recite the Creed as a private Christian, but does so in part of a worshiping community, and this worship includes the readings of Scripture, where we hear more about Jesus' life and teaching. It includes times to receive the sacraments and times to pray. Furthermore, The teaching of the Apostles' Creed is meant to be complemented by teachings on the Our Father and the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments specifically are meant to unpack in greater detail how we love God and love others. For this reason, we will begin our next season of this, we believe, with a line-by-line examination of the Ten Commandments and the teachings of Jesus on love and the law. I'd like to thank you for joining me today on This We Believe. If you have enjoyed this episode, I'd ask that you tell one other friend about us, and this will go a long way in helping us to reach other people who might be interested. If you'd like to connect further, please visit our Facebook page at This We Believe Podcast, our Twitter at We underscore Believe underscore Pod, and if you have a question you'd like answered on a future show, please send us an email at thiswebelievepodcast at gmail.com. Take care and God bless. 